Uh, we're this year talking about living drenched, and uh, we're in a series about corporate about worship. We're going to end it today with the sermon about corporate worship. Would you stand with me and let's read everybody, whether you work with children or going to school or not. Let's read a passage from Revelation. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are His judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of His servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Father, I thank You for Your Word I thank you for the life that is in your word and the light that is in your word. Let it shine upon us today. I pray that our hearts would be receptive to what you want to bring into us in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you know how to pray? Okay, that's that's pretty good. That's not a bad percentage. Uh, for those of you who don't know how to pray, let me let me let me teach you. Um, say something like this, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I know that there's more, but we're going to stop there right now because when you pray, most of us learn how to pray with that prayer because that's the, the prayer Jesus used to teach his disciples to pray. And the first thing that we pray after we acknowledge that he's our father is we pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's going on in heaven right now? What, what's going on in heaven right now is uh, the book that gives us the most insight into what is going on in heaven is the book of Revelation. Now, it's not all about what's going on in heaven, but almost every time it turns its attention to what's going on in heaven, there's a praise and worship service going on in heaven. There's, there's some shouting going on in heaven. There's some singing going on in heaven. Uh, and, and what we read just now is, is not the only place in that book where it talks about what they're doing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive glory and honor and power and praise. Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. I mean, there's a, there's a worship service going on in heaven. And so that's what, we're, that's what we're praying for to have happen here on earth. Now, private worship is sweet and it's important. And um, 
A couple of weeks ago, Barbie taught on it, and I knew it was going to be good. <laughs> and it was good. It indeed was. But if that's all you got, you're missing some ingredients. That's like trying to make a cake with just flour. I mean, you got to have flour to make a cake, okay? But if flour's all you got, you ain't ever going to have cake. You need some water, you need some sugar, you might need some eggs or something like that. Probably wouldn't hurt put a few pecans in it or something. Uh, you know, so, but you could add some ingredients and it's, it's pretty good. Uh, so private worship, that's, that's an important, it's a big part of our lives. But corporate worship is the norm in scripture. From the time that God first called a people to be his own until the very end of the book. And he has called a people to be his own. It, it's, it's you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? Why did God call forth a special possession? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Has he called you out of darkness? Call me out of darkness. That's for sure. And brought me into, into, into the light. And the scripture says, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to declare it. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to say something about it. Salvation is an individual thing. However, we have been called as a people to declare the praises of God. If that's what's going on in heaven, and if that is in fact why we've been chosen, then corporate worship is not really an option for someone who claims to follow Jesus Christ. I'm not saying if you don't do corporate worship, you're not saved. But what I'm saying is, you're not saved very good. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that works out, but I just made that up and... Uh, I think it fits. So what is corporate worship? Well, you know, I, what we've done this morning so far, and hopefully really what we're doing right now is, is corporate worship, but um, it, can, it can look like a lot of different things. There's really only one requirement for worship to be corporate, and that is that there's more than one person. And, and it doesn't matter the number. It's not that it's got to be thousands or hundreds or even, or even dozens. As long as there's more than one person, it can become corporate and it can be loud or quiet, frenetic or solemn, ornate or simple. And regardless of, of what we may think or you may think of some forms of Christian worship, the truth is God is so vast. He's so infinite. He is so magnificent that there's not any one worship style that can reflect that whole glory. You see, we're not infinite. You know, I, I'm, I'm not infinite. And, and I, have, I have my taste. I have my biases. I have the way that I'm wired. And God wired me certain ways because he wanted a guy like me. And he wired you certain ways because he wanted somebody like you. And, and the way that I express... Praise and the way that I express the glory of God is, is, is great, but it's just a teeny little bit of the way that it, of what he is, of the totality of what he is. And I got a feeling that even if you took the totality of worship styles and put them all together, you still wouldn't have it all because infinite is infinite. But uh, just, just very 
briefly some of the more uh, prominent worship, worship styles. Uh, one of the worship styles we know very little about in our culture is the Orthodox worship style. I mean, and there's a whole, we're talking millions and millions of people, uh, hundreds of millions of people actually, uh, but Greek Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Coptic Orthodox, you know, we don't, uh, the only thing I really know about their worship is it's pretty. And I know that, that there's a reason behind everything that they do. And the reason is some reflection of who God is and some reflection of his glory. Uh, we're more familiar with liturgical worship styles in, in our culture, although that's not what we are here. You know, we're, we're more familiar with the, uh, um, the, the, the Roman Catholic, the Anglican, the um, Lutheran worship styles. And, you know, and it looks, it's very pretty too, and it's, it's very ornate. Uh, you know, they can't really hold a candle to the Orthodox. They've got, you know, wow. But, uh, but it's, it, it's, it's something. And what I know, uh, I, I know a little bit about some of those things, and most of what I know is from Father Ray. I love to go to Father Ray's church during the off hours, if you will, and, uh, and have him show me around and tell me what everything means. And then six months later, I need to go back and do that again because I forgot what it all meant. But, uh, but it's really cool because he can tell you what everything means in there. Um, just a couple of things they've got. The first thing that'll, that you'll see when you walk in is the baptismal font that they have back there. Now they, uh, don't normally do total immersion, although, uh, Father Ray will totally immerse you if you want him to. He's got a horse trough. And he puts it in the back of his uh, pickup truck, and he'll take it to your house, and away you go. But but normally they pour, and they have a baptismal font. And the reason that it's the first thing you come into is so you'll think, this is how someone enters the kingdom of God. It's through baptism. Uh, when they when they uh, read the word, they uh, they don't generally read it from up in the in a pulpit. They'll come down in the middle of the congregation to read it. And the reason why they do that is because it is a picture of the fact that the word became flesh and came and dwelt among God's people. Uh, Father Ray's actually got a, 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 a scenarium. Does anybody know what a scenarium is? I didn't know what it was. You know, that, that's the only problem. Father Ray will go, yeah, and there's our scenarium and there's our flicker flocker. And, you know, and, I, and you kind of go, oh, yeah, I know what that is, of course. But... Uh, but they've got they've got a scenarium in uh, on their back wall now, basically, which is where ashes are put of the departed. And the reason it's on the back wall is when you come in, you come in through baptism, and then when you go out, it reminds you of how you're going to leave. You kind of go, oh, well, you know, that's pretty cool. Now you know they don't rock, but they do. They do have some really cool stuff. So uh, you know, I do like to I do like to go there occasionally. Uh, there's uh, mainline, uh, mainline churches. And to be very honest, while that doesn't really touch me really deeply, the worship style there, it clearly does for millions of people and, and reflects God's glory and shows who he is in the, in the, in the, the solemnness and the quietness. I've come to discover that virtually all of the denominations have strengths that the others lack. Uh, and you really only get the whole thing when you put them all together. Uh, we tend to go after a, a more charismatic, um, contemporary type of worship style. 
And since I'm going to talk about that a little bit, I'm not going to talk about it right now. My observations, I just want to say a couple things about worship, about corporate worship. Uh, and then I want to talk about how we worship here. Corporate worship, it's appropriate, I think, that we're covering this on the week that we go back to school. Corporate worship teaches and passes worship from one generation to the next. Psalm 145.4 says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. We, we have a God who works through history, who does stuff, who, who has done stuff. And he likes for his people to declare what it is that he's done. Back in the, uh, back in the 70s, there was a, a little, a chorus that we used to sing, uh, that basically was based on the, uh, the song of Moses after, uh, after Pharaoh and his army had been thrown in the Red Sea. And it was a goofy song, but it was, it was, it was powerful. It really was. Um, it, it, it went, I will sing unto the Lord for he is triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. Boom, boom, boom. I will, yeah. Okay. And then while, and while the guys are going, I will sing unto the Lord, the girls then begin to do the, the Miriam part. The Lord's my God and I will praise him, my father's God and I will exalt him. I will sing unto the Lord. You know, it's, yeah, it's a great song. It, it, yeah. Who is doing that? Uh, anyway, our God does stuff. He, deli- he, he brought a nation out of bondage without, any, without firing a shot, without casting a ballot, without imposing any sanctions. He brought a nation out of bondage, and then he destroyed an army. In the Red Sea that tried to come and get them. Our, our God, and, and that, that's a big deal. God, our God took a little shepherd boy and, and, and gave him five rocks and he went out and he only need one of them to kill a big giant warrior. Our, our God took three, uh, of his servants, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he protected them through a fiery furnace. Our God shut the mouths of the lions for Daniel. Our God raised his son from the dead after he gave his life for us on the cross. And so one generation declares to the next what our God has done. And it's not just what he's done in that sense. The first song, what was the song we sang? Uh, so good. That start. I waited patiently upon the Lord. Yeah. And he inclined and heard my cry. He pulled me up out of the miry clay. He set my feet up on a rock. See, is, is he pulled anybody out of the miry clay in here? Is he put anybody's feet on the rock? Is he put a new song in anybody's mouth? That that wasn't the song they were singing back then in those, you know, that, that's declaring the praises of God that, that, and, and declare it to the next generation. The early service crowd knows my, uh, our, our daughter and son-in-law, our oldest daughter and son-in-law come to the early service and they bring, uh, Jack with them. Jack is, is, uh, is their oldest son now. That he has a little brother that he just really isn't sure if he wants to keep or not. But anyway, he's, uh, 
they, they bring, they bring Jack and usually for a couple of songs, I get the whole Jack. And usually they're the fast songs that are kind of happening early on. And, and you know, and I try to give Jack a little sense of what's going on, you know, as, I, as I've got him there in my arms and everything. And there are a couple of reasons for it. I mean, I'm proud of him. You know, I like that. And, you know, but I don't do that just so because I'm proud of him. I don't do that so people will go, oh, isn't that so cute? He's got his grandson down there. I do that. Because one of these days, I'm not going to be here. And I want that little boy to remember my granddaddy. My granddaddy used to hold me in worship service. And I used to hear him sing. And I used to hear him just give it up for God. I, I, I didn't really know my grandparents. I, I knew my grandmother on my father's side, but she lived out of town, and so we weren't, we would go visit occasionally. Uh, all the rest, well, my two grandfathers both had passed away before I was born, and then my other grandmother died while I was, uh, while I was an infant. So I didn't really know, but my, but my, my parents, you know, I knew, I knew my parents, and, and I saw them. I saw them worship God, and I saw them around the house worshiping God. I mean, it's it's kind of freaky, you know. They just sort of walk through the house, going, "Thank you, Jesus." You know, you know, what, what, what just happened? You know, well, nothing. They just said, "Thank you, Jesus." That's what just happened. But I also saw them in corporate worship, and and there there were saints that made a big impact on my life that have no idea that they did. But growing up, I saw the way they worshiped God. And it imprinted something on me that's still there. You know, when you come to worship, it is for an audience of one, okay? It, it, it is, you know, sing like nobody's listening but Him. You know, dance like nobody's looking but Him. Because if he didn't like it, it's his fault. He made you, you know. Uh, so, so he's got, he's got, it's like your mama. He's got to like your singing. He's, he's, he's got to like your dancing. You get right down to it. But there are eyes, there are little eyes looking at you. There's a generation learning how to worship as they, as they watch what you do. And so that's part of what happens in, in corporate worship, let your kids, let your grandkids, let somebody else's kids see you worship. It's important. What we do, the way we worship here, uh, it, it, it isn't a matter of style. We do have one, basically. It tends to change uh, from week to week in terms of what's going on in certain places. But by and large, we've got a, a certain style here. Uh, and, and it focuses, um, basically it focuses on rather demonstrative elements from the Bible. Um, and where better to turn, in my opinion, if you're going to learn about worship than to the Psalms, because the Psalms is the worship book in the Bible. You know, the Bible is a collection. It's a library. And if you want to find out about David, you're not going to find out much in Acts. He's mentioned, but you're not going to find out a lot. Uh, you need to read First and Second Samuel and First Chronicles if you want to find out about David. Uh, if you want to find out about worship, all of the books contain a little bit about worship in them, but the worship book is Psalms. And so just want to mention a couple of things or a few things that we do and the scriptural underpinning for them. One of the things that we do 
as we, uh, as we lift our hands. Have a tendency to do that anyway. Uh, Psalm 134, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Uh, Psalm 63, 4, I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. Uh, you know, you don't have to raise your hands. And by the way, on all these things, I'm not touching on by any means all of the scriptures that talk about it. Just just giving you a couple. But when you think about it, when you think about what that means uh, and, and, you know, take it out of a worship context, uh, stick them up. You know, I, I, I surrender is, is one of the things that it means, you know, OK, I. I'm okay. I'm good. You know, what, what, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it can also mean, uh, can also be trust. You know, it can also be a, a, a symbol of trust to someone or a symbol of entreaty that, that tends to happen, especially with little kids. Uh, we've got seven grandkids now. And when they come up to me, uh, you know, there's a couple of them who come up to me in such a way as to seemingly just be trying to take my knees out. But, and, and there's a certain charm to that, let's just say. But, but, you know, there are also those who come up to you like this. You know, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to pick them up, maybe throw them up in the air, you know, do something, catch them. I mean, you, you got to. You always catch them. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's not an option. Yeah, you got you got to catch them. Uh, and uh, but you got to respond to that. You just you just you just have to. And also we we lift our hands. Uh, we lift our hands for victory when something just no. Uh, you know I don't want to dredge up any bad memories for. You know, people who root for baseball teams from St. Louis. But last year, I uh, <laughs> I remember in the playoffs when uh, Travis Ishikawa of the San Francisco Giants hit the home run that ended the... Because I'm a Giants fan. And from the moment it left the bat, I mean, you got to... I mean, he, he totally got all of it. There's just no question about it. I mean, you didn't even have to see it go out. From the moment it left the bat... I was I was sitting in the room by myself, but you know what I did? As soon as the ball left the bat, yes, whoa, yeah, all right, yeah, 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 we're good, we're good, we're going to World Series, yeah. There you go. Your hands go up for victory. All of those things are appropriate in the worship of God. Oh, I surrender. I need you. You are my victory. Champion of heaven. Yeah. So we lift our hands. We also uh, clap. Clap our hands. Uh, and there are a number of verses about this, but I'll just use one. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Uh we clap for joy. 
you know, I, when I was, when I was younger and I would, uh, listen to other guys preach and they'd always talk about their grandkids, you know, there were times I'd kind of go, Oh, come on, get off of it. But I'm that guy now. <laughs> and, uh, and Jack, when he's, when he's climbing the steps up to the, to their house, I'd forgotten that, you know, when you, when the steps come to here, that you don't just do that, you know, uh, you have a tendency to go and, you know, get up on that one. And, and then and then you stand up and you do the next one. And when he gets to the top of one to, to get to the top of all of them, you know what he does? I'm so happy. I made it. I'm at the top of this. We clap for joy. We clap to show appreciation when we were in Zimbabwe. If you wanted to say thank you to somebody in Shona, the word, what you said was Dinotenda. And thank you. But if you just said Dinotenda, uh, not too sure about that. But when you go Dinotenda, that really meant I do thank you. I really do. We, uh, we also, uh, clap to show, uh, uh, expressions of admiration, worthiness. When we think something is, you know, great, we will clap for it. And that's, all those are appropriate. All of those are appropriate for our God. And clapping in rhythm can be pretty impressive if you actually have people who can clap in rhythm. Uh, and sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But he made you. So, you know, he's got to, he's got to like it. And... Really, if there's our worship here, I, I like to think of it as, as learning to just be free because he called us for freedom and, and he called us for freedom in our life and to be free in our lives. I think that that comes out. It's expressed in worship. Uh, and so we shout and we sing uh, Psalm 33, 3. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, shout for joy. Uh, Psalm 66, uh, it, it says 12, but it's actually 1 through 2. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Are you on the earth? Shout for, for joy to God, sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. Psalm, Psalm 95, 1. And once again, I'm not using all the verses, just a few. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. You don't get a lot of opportunities to shout to God outside of corporate worship. If you're in Walmart, and the thing that you didn't buy last week because it was $15, you come back today and it's $12, you might say, thank you, Jesus. But if you say, glory, somebody say joy, you know. <laughs> They'll haul you out of there. They should. Anyway. And, and, you know, and I talked about my parents when, uh, when I was at home, you know, and they would, then they'd say, you know, thank you, Jesus, and praise the Lord. But they wouldn't yell, except for sometimes there was, a, there were occasions in the morning 
when my dad would come into my room because he thought I should be awake by then. And he would come into the room and the man, you know, he'd come into the room and he'd go, glory to God. And I wasn't corporate because I wasn't worshiping with him. I, I was, the scripture says, if you greet your neighbor loudly in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. And for some reason, my dad never read that scripture. You don't really get the opportunity to shout much. Except in corporate worship when it comes to the Lord. But when you shout, something breaks. Something breaks. It's... How many of you have seen Braveheart? Yeah. Okay. That's a trick question. How many of you read the Bible all the way through? Okay. Okay. That's pretty good. pretty good percentage there. Uh, but... I mean, seriously, at the end, you know, freedom, or even, you know, before that first battle when he's riding back and forth and you just got to, yeah, I want to be Scottish, you know, and you just, how to go fight those English, yeah, yeah, let's get them. I mean, because a, a shout breaks something loose inside of you. And it's appropriate to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a solid rock. He put a new song in my mouth. It's appropriate to do that. We also uh, occasionally around here dance. And uh, Psalm 31, it says 12 through 12. That's wrong. It's 11 through 12. For those of you keeping score at home. Uh, <laughs> You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. And he did. He turned my wailing into dancing. I grew up in a, in a, in a church culture where dancing was considered to be a sin. So I didn't dance. You know, when it came time to go to sock hops, if I, if I got to go to the sock hop, which I didn't usually because demons were there, but, but if I, if I got to go to the sock hop, I was the guy sitting on the, on the bleachers watching everybody dance. And then when I kind of got away from the church and everything and, and I could go to dances, I didn't dance because I don't know how to dance. Uh, so that was, that was, that was me. I, I was, I was that guy. But you know what? God has changed all that. He's, he's take, he's taken my, my, my wailing, my mourning, and he's transformed it into something else. And I don't care if I can't dance. I'm going to do it anyway. Psalm 149.3. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. Psalm 150, praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with the strings and, and pipe. But perhaps my favorite one, and I know, you know, I said, well, worship, 
you know, go to Psalms because that's, that's the worship book. But Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, 13, I, I, I love this passage of scripture. Then young women will dance and be glad young men and old as well, like that old guy up there who's older than me. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. When men dance, the earth moves. It just does. It, 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 it might be ugly. It's not pretty. It may not be graceful. But the earth moves. Something shakes. When we do the men's dance at Christmas time down here, uh, it's a hot mess. And, and, it, and every year it gets hotter and messier. But it explodes the room with, with joy and the presence of God. It, it absolutely does. You, we, uh, we used to go, well, you know, we need to, we need to practice this dance so that some of these guys will know what they're doing. <laughs> that ain't going to do us any good. <laughs> we just need to do it. We just need, to, we just need to, to get down there and do it. And what is, this is talking about then. What's the then? What, what is the sermon in Jeremiah chapter 31? I wouldn't expect too many of you to know what that sermon is, but it is the sermon that introduces the new covenant. Then I will make a new covenant. Whereby I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus said, this is the new covenant. This is what, this is what Jeremiah was talking about. Let me finish with this. Well, actually, I got two things very quickly. Learning to pray. Corporate worship teaches you to pray. If you listen, if you listen, most of the songs that we're singing are prayers. Most of them are prayers and, and they can teach you to pray. And if you'll just, if you'll go to the Psalms, they will teach you to pray. If you'll go to Revelations, they'll teach you to pray. If you tune into that worship, you know, uh, sometimes Wayne will say, all right, everybody, you know, raise your hands and begin to worship the Lord. You kind of go, well, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that works. But you can say, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive glory and honor and power and praise. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I mean, there, there, all those kinds of things are there. Corporate worship can, can teach you that. Here's the last thing. Why do people attend ball games? I mean, why pay the money, go out and sit in the elements and, you know, why do that? Uh, and the reason, of course, why they do it is because it's, is because there's an energy there. There is a, uh, there's it, something that it puts into you that you're not going to get watching high def, even though you might see the plays better and everything. Uh, and when we come into corporate worship, there are times that you just, you need to be next to somebody. Proclaiming 
Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You are with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever. Perfect in love. You're sovereign over us. And if you're not the person who needs to hear that, somebody next to you needs to hear you say it. And proclaim it. That can only happen in, in corporate worship. That happens when, when, we, when we come together. Even what the enemy means for evil, you turn it for our good. You turn it for our good and for your glory. And even in the valley, you are faithful. You're working for our good. You're working for our good and for your glory. Wow. Wow. Somebody, several somebodies were here this week in this service because they needed that. And next week it can be you. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, but consider how to encourage one another and much more as you see the day approaching. Would you stand with me? I want to mention a worship resource. I can do it now or I can do it next week. I want to give you a worship resource that's so connected to what the pastor's speaking on, and I want to do it today so it goes on live streaming and it's there. <clears throat> For those of you that are interested, which should be everyone in the room, you can either write it down or find it on live stream. There's a book entitled Worship God, and you're going to think I'm making this up, but I'm not. The author is named Ernest Gentile. And, and I, I'm encouraging you to find that book and have it in your house and get it in your head and your heart. Thank you, Pastor. For those who are going to pray with people, come forward. And if you're here this morning and you need prayer, you have a divine appointment. Please keep it. He brought you here because you have a divine appointment. He wants to do something for your life, in your life. He wants to wants to answer a prayer. He wants to change something. So if you need prayer, you come forward. If, if not, worship with us. Create an atmosphere for those who do need to come forward.
raise your hand. We give you a blessing. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world so that we might belong to a family, so that we might have freedom, so that we might experience the joy of the presence of God. May all of those things be yours. And may you not cover them up. But may you declare them through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.